This episode is brought to you by FastBitcoins.com. FastBitcoins.com allows you to buy Bitcoin easily and safely in physical locations in the UK, Canada, and Estonia, and they're expanding quickly. They are the world's first cash-to-lightning exchange, delivering your Bitcoins right over the Lightning Network. They also have integrations with Samurai Wallet and Breeze Lightning Wallet, and more coming soon. Fast Bitcoins offers users the ability to stack sats without giving up too much personal information, and the business never holds customers' Bitcoins. Find Fast Bitcoins vouchers on BitRefill and physical point-of-sale retail outlets in a growing number of places. Check out the FastBitcoins.com interactive map to find the location nearest you. Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. All right, Bitcoiners, we made it another Friday. Happy Friday to everybody out there. Hope you're doing well. This is your weekly dose of Bitcoin for your weekend. <laughs> a little bit slower news week this week, I thought, than last week. We saw a crescendo in the price up to $12,000, so price took center stage. But there are a few little things here and there that we can pull out. Um, some bigger things in the macro situation like uh, the remimbi and trade wars and things like that that we can talk about. But overall, I thought it was a price week. This week on the report, I did spend some extra time breaking down like stories from different regions of the world. So there's a section on the EU, there's a section on the Middle East and Southeast Asia, etc. So everything's kind of broken down. And, and that's I think it was a really good week this week for the report. If you guys want to get that, go to BitcoinAndMarkets.com forward slash report. You can get that in your inbox every week. It's a supplement to this show. It's all free. Right. And if you want to support me monetarily, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. So on Patreon, you get a little bit extra content. We do, we did a live stream two nights ago that went an hour. We talked all over the place about, um, interest rates, about, um, the gun debate, about prepping. Uh, we went deep into a bunch of different subjects. Uh, so I thought that was, really fun and uh, valuable. So and you can only get that if you support me over there on Patreon. And then at the end today, I'm going to go into a Bitcoin versus gold debate. Gold has been catching a bid. So I'm going to be doing my talking points of, of Bitcoin versus gold. So if you're interested in that, stick around to the end because that's what we'll talk about to wrap up the show today. All right, let's get on with the content. All right, guys, let's get into the eToro price talk. eToro is the world's leading social trading platform. You can interact with other traders, follow successful traders, get followed yourself. You can even start with a free demo account. Use my link in the show notes. Bitcoin price on Bitstamp, $11,822. It has been triangling at the top of the channel. So that makes me think it's building up this pressure on the top of the channel and it will continue the trend to the upside. So that is one likely scenario. <clears throat> the, another likely scenario is that it retraces and it falls back down through 10,900 uh, all the way down to 10,000 to retrace some of that uh, humongous rise that we had over the last week. 
I haven't completely given up on 8,500. I was on that bandwagon for a long time, and then a lot of people started coming over to that bandwagon, and then it turned around, and overnight, people switched, and they're like, moon, baby. <laughs> you know, I'm not totally giving up on 8,500, but I think it's much less likely now. I do think we can go down to 10,000 and touch it. I mean, there's there's significant undertones to the market that people are seeing demand that's not really there. So we'll talk about that. I I do remember all of like 2016, 2017, um, people talking about a bunch of different uh, drivers of demand that never really turned out. People were talking about how China was going to accept it overnight and all these people are going to load up on Bitcoin over there. And that really didn't pan out. I mean, it's still a lot of uh, interest over in China, of course, but there's not really... <laughs> like it never panned out the way people were saying. And it's very similar now, I think. So we can jump into that real quick. So the uh, CNY USD, that pair, it's actually USD over CNY, um, was pushing up on seven for a long time. And that means that seven remimbi could buy $1. Um, it was like 6.85 for a long time. And they're trying to keep it. They're spending a lot of money to keep that exchange rate under seven. Well, when Trump came out and said, hey, you know, we're going to slap some more tariffs on you, then the Chinese stopped defending that peg and they let the renminbi devalue quickly against the dollar and it broke the 7.0 uh, handle. And now it's it hasn't really moved. I mean, it was a shock, right? It was a shock to the system. Oh my God, it broke seven. This is crazy. And a lot of markets re, uh, reacted to that, um, maybe overreacted. Um, I think it is a big deal longer term, like when the exchange rate gets to 7.5, 8, 8.5, which is coming sometime that, uh, you know, that's going to be a much bigger deal in the long, long term. But initial reaction, I think it was, uh, an overreaction because if we look at some of these other charts here, I put some of these charts on the report. Not all of them, uh, because the email services don't like a lot of pictures. Uh, the email services will say it's spam. But anyway, um, so the DXY, that's the dollar index. Um, it looks to be maybe breaking down a little bit here, but pretty much it's a flat line. Um, you would think that this would be getting a lot stronger, but it's not. It got smashed back down from the 99 handle all the way down to 97.5 now. And uh, that's just over the last couple of days. So that initial reaction is kind of blah. Then we have the 10-year yield for U.S. 10-year bond. Um, it broke down below uh, 1.6, but it has rebounded all the way back up now to uh, 1.75. So again, it's strongly rebounding. U.S. oil had a, put in is putting in a nice rebound as well after it broke $50 a barrel, touching making a triple bottom at 50 since the beginning of June, we've touched 53 times now and um, has made a significant surge all the way back up to roughly the $55 handle. And so that's a 10% increase off of the bottom. Gold is another pretty big story here. It has been surging, going all the way over $1,500 an ounce. Right now I'm showing um, $1,497 and it looks like it's a little bit droopy and it might come back down here. Maybe test some support all the way down into the mid 1400s 
We'll see. Nothing goes up in a straight line. Gold is going to break out eventually, uh, but not quite yet. Of course, we'll talk about gold versus Bitcoin at the end of the show. S&P 500, again, putting in a nice rebound here, uh, erasing 50% of the losses that it had earlier in the week. Uh, I'm not, I don't really have um, a dog in this fight. I don't really care too much about stocks. It's so manufactured. The plunge protection, we don't know if the government is in there buying stocks. We do know they have a plunge protection team. And for you guys new to the show or new to this topic, um, the United States president has a working group. And this is a real thing that started back in the Reagan era um, of top banking executives and top like department heads in the executive branch. And their job is to help steady the market. So when we have these big down days, they can go in there and be the buyers of last resort and prop up this market. So um, when it's fake like that, um, we don't know because they're buying with printed money or at least costless money. They can borrow at zero and, uh, you know, go out there and buy all this stuff. So we, this is a completely fake stock market. And I don't, I can't really get any information from this other than what the normies, normies might be panicking right now or something like that. But that doesn't really tell me about the overall insider situation. Okay. So that's kind of all my global market charts and talking points that I had. Covered that on the live stream as well. And then we got into some discussion points on that. Um, let's take a look at altcoins. ETH, USD. This is, I mean, it feels so good <laughs> to be right about this stuff. I, I've been calling the implosion of the altcoin side uh, for a long, long time. And it is occurring in front of our eyes. Um, there's still a portion maybe of listeners that might, uh, want to get into altcoins. So I just want to, I just want to talk about this a little bit every show so they can get the flavor of what we're doing here. I mean, every single thing that you hear altcoin is going to do, just think to yourself, do you need a blockchain for that? No, you don't. When you look at the ETH chart, you're watching the slow realization of the market that it's good for nothing. <laughs> and yeah. So we have a, a price on Ethereum right now, $208. It could bounce here. Who knows? It looks to have broken a kind of a trend line of support. So it could be going lower. There, there are a lot of Ethereum whales that can come step in and try to save the price, but it would be an expensive fight. So they might as well sell. Uh, let's take a look at the ETH BTC chart. It's even worse. It's sitting at 1 million. 700 satoshis basically overall this thing is going down 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 that is the general flavor of the altcoin market as well people are starting to get it into their minds that you don't need decentralization for everything really there's one thing that you need this decentralization for and that is money right and if you're going to be saying your money you have to go right against bitcoin ethereum is finding this out very recently they've started saying they're programmable store value that they are money as well <laughs> but um you know when when you start saying that then you're going to go head to head with bitcoin and you don't want to be there if you zoom out and you look at this quote-unquote dominance of bitcoin it is a tulip bubble of altcoins the altcoins are not going to come back at least in the same incarnation as they were before they're going to be different like maybe fed coin or Libra, like some sort of stable coin. I mean, Libra could get a $200 billion market cap 
right out of the gate if that's the money that they're having to back their stablecoin, right? Tether is what? About $4.5 billion because that's the amount of USD that's backing Tether. Those are the type of altcoins we'll see in the future. Um, and would that even be, should you even include those type of coins into some sort of dominance index? I don't think so. So this is a Tula bubble of this blockchain, all the things, decentralize all the things, throw a token at it and see what sticks. Um, this it's dying. That, that meme was flawed from the beginning and it's dying and we can see it. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to mining. Okay. So I'm taking a look at bitinfocharts.com forward slash Bitcoin. You can take a look at a bunch of different stats there. They've been long-term a uh, good source of information for all sorts of coins, but uh, Bitcoin specifically is what I use them for. And all right, let's, uh, the hash rate did top 80 exahashes per second two days ago, and it's fallen down here a little bit down to 67 exahashes per second. Um, the next difficulty adjustment is still a week away and it's estimated at two to three percent. Uh, some sites have it all the way up to eight or nine percent, but I'm seeing it at two to three percent. So, um, this is interesting. We did have a gigantic jump in the hash rate and the difficulty over the last few weeks. And now the theory is coming out that it's a bunch of old miners that were kept in inventory off of the market. Maybe Bitmain was going to sell them or uh, some other company. And uh, now they're being brought on. Maybe somebody bought all the old miners and they're putting them on to the network. So that explains some of this extra hash rate because this hash rate preceded the price and usually the hash rate follows the price. So that can explain some of that. Now, this is, in my opinion, negative medium term for the price, because if you are having a lot of these miners add hash rate, that decreases the revenue of miners and hence their profit margin goes down. So if they were maybe setting aside five to 10% of their earnings uh, hoarding for the upcoming halvening, now their profitability is cut and they have to, uh, maybe they don't even hoard any extra right now. So that is negative. It means more of the hoard comes out onto the market to keep these people more profitable. Okay, so I covered a few news items along the way there. Um, of course, I have a lot more news items in my report. So if you guys sign up for that, you can get that. If you sign up too late for this week, you can always go to my archive page. I'll have that updated several days later with the most recent newsletter. It's about a week behind that archive page. But anyway, let's talk about gold versus Bitcoin. Gold has been rallying. So these are my talking points of gold versus Bitcoin. First off, gold is great money. I still own some physical gold. And I think it is legitimately worth diversifying your Bitcoin into because it's very similar in in its dominant use case at this time, which is store of value. But I think the the whole trend in gold is away from its monetary value. Okay, so it could not adapt to a globalized world. When people were trading mainly in Europe, a local trade where people were trading in gold coins and it expanded to continental trade. Uh, then you saw banks pop up like the Medici's and you had branch banking 
pop up. So it was um, by accounting that they were keeping these accounts balanced, right? And that was okay for gold. But once we started seeing um, a larger globalization of the economy, gold could not keep up in it. The centralized pressure kept pushing it more and more centralized until it pretty much ended up, most of it ended up into the hands of central banks, at least the monetary gold. You do, of course, have jewelry and other things, but I don't know what the statistics are, but it's probably 90, 95% of monetary gold is in the hands of banks and maybe 99% is in a bank vault somewhere. So there is a great amount of centralizing pressure on gold if it wants to be used in this global large economy. And I don't think it's any coincidence that you know, in 1971, when the U.S. went off the gold standard officially, I mean, TCPIP started in, or not TCPIP, but packet switching, the progenitor of TCPIP, started in 1969, right? It almost coincided. And I don't think that's really a coincidence. I think the world had been moving towards more integration, faster speed, better communication, more globalization, and gold could not keep up. Critics of that idea will say, no, it's the, the government inflated the money and that's they couldn't pay their debts and so they had to close the gold window. Yes, that is the official reason. But overall, I think the, the incentive structure of gold pushed it that way and it happened to break right around the same time and it's not really that big of a coincidence. Now, we could go back to gold. We could definitely go back to gold. Because as Bitcoin keeps growing and the gravity well of Bitcoin keeps growing and sucking more in, the governments will probably go back to gold at some point because they own most of the gold. Like I said, they have it all in their vaults already. And so if they go back to a gold standard, they still make the rules because they hold all the gold. Um, if that happens, yes, gold will be revalued way higher. So a lot of gold bugs are holding on for that holding on for that one day that maybe they'll get a 5x increase due to a revaluation of the do of gold in dollars and a return to a gold-backed currency. Now, Bitcoin is better money because it was designed for the digital age and the globalization age. It's money that can be sent as part of its inherent properties over the internet or over a communications channel. You know, gold could not adapt to a globalizing world, and Bitcoin was made for that globalizing world. Also, it's not dependent, and Bitcoin does not depend on a third party or a government vulnerable custody. When you are using gold for this globalized economy, let's say we go back to the gold standard, then you have it in these vaults, and these vaults are very vulnerable to government. I don't care what the law says. I don't care. Nobody cares. I mean, how many times has the the laws changed? Have they seized gold? If anything, it happens all the time. Think about the Iraq war and the uh, Libyan war. What happened to the gold? Libya had hundreds of tons of gold. What happened to it? Saddam Hussein, probably the same. I don't know exa the exact stats of that one, but, um, you know, where'd the gold go? So not only is it vulnerable to your domestic policy of your government coming in and saying, that's our gold now, like they've done multiple times throughout the history of the United States, 
and most recently in eGold, right? I think that was 2011, uh, no, 2010 or 11, where they just straight up seized the vault of gold from eGold. And they, to justify that, they came up with all these different things. Oh, there was some XYZ accounting error or tax evasion that was happening. So we have to come in and seize your gold, right? They changed the rules. They don't care what the rules are. And if you are a country that not, not the uh, most powerful superpower in the world, your gold reserves are vulnerable. So what do you do if you're Germany or something like that? You're going to store gold in New York. And then what can the United States do? They can say, that's our gold now. Gold is vulnerable to governments because of the custody issue. Bitcoin is not that way. Bitcoin, you can carry a billion dollars of Bitcoin weightlessly, right? It has the exact same weight. One Bitcoin has the exact same weight as a million Bitcoins. So anyway, that's my talking points on gold. I want to thank you guys for joining me. Um, my name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Uh, join us on Discord where we ha- uh, talk about all these sort of topics and we dive into some, you know, esoteric stuff and we dive into some more morality stuff and general markets and all that stuff happens over there on our Discord channel. So check that out um, and sign up for the report, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash report. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.